This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? An ASEAN World Cup. How can they make this a reality? Welcome to a game of two halves, the Straits Times weekly sports podcast that is out every Tuesday. I'm David Lee and with me are my guests today, former national footballer and founder of sports marketing agency Red Card, R. Sasikuma, and Straits Times assistant sports editor Rohit Brishnath. Hi lads. Hi, Hello. David. Hi David, good to be here. Yep, so Thai Prime Minister Prayut chan announced a while ago that Southeast Asian countries will jointly bid to host the World Cup in 2034. He made the declaration after meetings between leaders at the ASEAN Summit in Bangkok. So, gentlemen, what are your first impressions about the idea of ASEAN hosting the World Cup? I think it's great. I think everything starts with a thought, then it becomes a reality. Especially in sports, as you know, that dreams are made of just imagination. So, I'm a great supporter of these initiatives because I think ASEAN is ripe to host something as major as the World Cup. Mm. What about you, Rohit? What do you think? I feel that, you know, Asia has made tremendous strides in sport. And one of the things I've always been against is the fact that why are world sporting events only held in certain parts of the world? Mm. And that's changed slowly, you know, the, the World Cup being held in Asia and other events in many things. But of course, like the majors in tennis, none in Asia, the majors in golf, even in women's golf, where there are five, none in Asia. And I, I take a little bit of issue with some of that. But I also think that my key thing in sport is that everything must be earned. There are no favours. Mm. I think one day a World Cup should be held in ASEAN. 2034 is a long way away. Maybe by then we'll earn it. But I don't know if we're ready yet. I find it a bit of an unwieldy thing. I don't know if yet we deserve to be there. I mean, it's an idea. I think it's an idea worth exploring. Maybe at the moment, we're getting a bit too overexcited about it, but that's sport and that's what happens. Right. Uh, it's a good point that you mentioned. You know, It can be a bit unwieldy with 10 co-hosts. Yep. Surely not all 10 ASEAN countries are going to co-host the World Cup. What do you think, Sasi? Yeah, from a logistics perspective, and you look at all the different countries, they all are at different stage of their development. Mm. If you look at Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand... Indonesia, Vietnam, probably a bit more further ahead than, say, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar. Mm. And then you've got another group which is like Brunei has a lot of money but maybe haven't been in the world stage for the right reasons. Mm. So when you take all of that, putting all 10 of them into the same basket might be a tough one. And for all 10 to agree to do something, as we know, three of us here can't decide on one thing, mm. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let alone 10 countries coming together. Mm putting resources behind it and people, time and all of that together to make it happen, it's a huge ask. But I would say if they whittled it down to maybe say five perhaps developed countries and you look at the infrastructure that's readily there, you don't need to put too much money into it, then I think it becomes a bit more of a reality because I think that's probably the better start and I would say that more chances of making it a reality. But I, I want to say I agree yeah. with him in the sense that, mm. I mean, I, I feel if they are, f I would cut them down to even fewer to four, mm. right? But I mean, four or five yeah, minutes. Like, like he said, we can't agree just, yeah, even between the three of us. <laughs> yeah, but because otherwise, you know, who's going to host the final, the semifinals, you know, who's going to be, mm. you know, how many, it's just, it's too complicating in a despair world. That's a hard thing to do. But I think four or five, yeah. It's possible. Who would be your five? I would say Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam. I would say this will be, in my opinion, maybe in a position where we've seen that most of these countries I've just mentioned have hosted one or the other major events. So I would say that to refurbish stadiums, to create a bit more infrastructure around roads and all of that stuff, 
it would not take too much. And as you know, Vietnam is set to host the Formula One now. So right. you know that they're already thinking about major events and this could be a really reaching the pinnacle of hosting major events, in and, my opinion. And the other countries that do not actually host the World Cup matches can still host fringe activities, right? You know, like fan zones, training bases. Is that possible? I mean, with the connectability... Uh, okay, connectivity. I'm going to just uh, throw in a slightly unrelated point here. <laughs> sure. Right? As I said, everything mm. I feel should be earned. And you guys uh, definitely know more football than I do, right? So shouldn't Asian countries, or have they already, and this I don't know, I'm asking you guys, you know, like India hosted the World Cup under 17, did it? Mm. Yes. Right? Yes. So has any Asian country hosted that type of tournament? Shouldn't we start small by seeing whether we can host these sort of big football tournaments, or are we ready to do something like that? Well, let's go back to the time where we hosted the Youth Olympic Games. Mm. It was... Superb, yeah. yeah. So That's why did very well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so and again, we showcased that we can run a great event. But of course, we blew the budget, but that's a different, <laughs> that's a different um, yeah. conversation altogether. But Singapore being Singapore, put on a great show. No, I don't doubt Singapore and I'm not doubting the other countries, but I'm just saying is just having in football, because I'm just talking right. about football. I, I think, um, Should we be doing multi-country football tournaments? Malaysia held, big ones, held the know? Under-20 Anti- World, World Cup. You know, Michael Cup. Owen okay. played yeah. there and all that. Okay. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know if you can equate major games like Asian Games, Commonwealth Games, Youth Olympics to the hosting of actual World Cup. But the fact that they've been there and done that and that if we are combining with other countries, it shows that they at least have some organizational capabilities, right? Absolutely. I think it, it's not so much about whether you have the capability of running major events because even if you don't have, you can bring it in and do stuff. Sure, it's a sure. logistical aspect. Now we need to think about whether aspirationally do we want to do it. Mm. That's the big answer, mm. a bigger question to answer because everything else is really logistics that money can actually buy. Right. But you talk about that, but how about politically? There are some issues that need to be sorted out, you know, besides the infrastructure requirements, 40,000 capacity stadiums minimum. There are also anti-discrimination regulations, I believe, that FIFA has for countries hosting the World Cup. And, you know, with Brunei's anti-LGBT laws, Malaysia's diplomatic issues with Israel, are they able to put those aside for the World Cup? Well, we know that Brunei sort of U-turned on the law right. not too long ago. So we take the box there. But if you look at Malaysia, of course, we know that it's well documented that they won't allow any Israelis to come and compete there. Mm-hmm. That could be a major issue if Israel qualifies. Um, they even had to cancel the para-swimming world Exactly. Yeah, so, so. Say, I mean, we know that it's well documented. Mm. I would say this is something that they got to get past. And if they want to be part of the four or five they want to host, they must be all in. They must be all out. So I think these are logistical issues because when you look at Malaysia and you tell them you have a chance to host the World Cup and you need to bend slight rules to make that work, the economic impact on Malaysia, especially at the current point in time, it will make a lot of sense for them to host a major, major event because they need it. The economy needs a shot in the arm. And even though it's in 2034, the lead up to it will have a lot of investor confidence in the country to know that now they can actually look forward to major events. A lot more people will be trained a lot more opportunities will arise. So I think it's just not purely about football or sport. When you think about the business side of things, the economy side of things, a lot of good things can actually happen. Imagine tomorrow, let's just fast forward, say 18 months from now or 24 months from now, ASEAN has been awarded the 2034 World Cup hosting rights. Can you imagine the euphoria that'll be around this area? Mm. So I think the domestic competitions will then start moving. Everybody else will start moving because they know there's a pinnacle to hit in 2034. Everybody will be working towards it because everyone wants a piece of the action one way or the other. So I would say the knock-on effects on football, sports and economy in general just by hosting the FIFA World Cup will be enormous in my opinion. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series A Game of Two Halves on Apple or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify.
and like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Sasi and Rohit. You know, you talk about the economical effects. After discussing what ASEAN needs to host the World Cup, I want to know, what do you guys think? Should ASEAN host the World Cup? I know, Sasi, you've made it very clear, your point of view. But Rohit, what is your cost-benefit analysis? My answer is no, and I have a different view on this. And my view on this is, let me just tell you a story. The day one of our colleagues, Jonathan Wong, we went to Vietnam before the Rio Olympics. And he wrote this beautiful piece on this pistol shooter who won a gold medal for Vietnam at the Rio Olympics, Southeast Asian athletes. A fantastic thing to happen, like Joseph winning one as well. But one of the interesting things about this guy in his range was, and this is true to many athletes all over the Asian region, is he didn't have enough ammunition. So he had to do a lot of just posing, like pointing his mm, without gun the at the target firing. without actually. I think he got about 50 uh, bullets a day rather than I think uh, international athletes get about 300. That's what Jonathan wrote. So I see this all over the ASEAN region. I see a lot of athletes struggling to find their best. I see an area which loves sport, but we still don't, including in Singapore, have a full-fledged sports culture. I know, for example, let's just take in shooting in Singapore. They don't have an integrated range. You know, some people have to go far to shoot. Some people, you know, say it's not an integrated thing. So there's so many things. So they can be equipment. It can be funding to go out. It can be a sports culture. It can be fields for rugby. It can be anything. I think we need to invest money in these things, in the athletes. I think a World Cup, right? I mean, I love the World Cup. I mean, who doesn't want love the World Cup? It's the greatest thing in the world, right? So as a, from a fan's point of view, I think the World Cup is great. But I think that if we want to believe in our athletes, then we have to invest in our athletes and we have to invest in junior programs in grassroots competition in stuff like that. And so I would much rather that the money and the millions, billions spent on a World Cup goes actually to athletes and to building a sports culture in Asia. And I think then slowly you build a base and from there you produce better and better athletes. And then suddenly we become slowly and look, everybody takes their own time here. I don't feel anybody should be in a rush to be an Olympic champion or whatever. It's You just build, you do all the right things, you create the pathways. And for that, you need money and you need excellence. You need coaches, you need physical trainers. You need, it all costs money. So I think just going and getting a World Cup and having it and then the World Cup goes away. And what have you got left? A love for football? There's a love for football here anyway. So for me, I've seen athletes suffer. I've seen too many athletes suffer because they can't go abroad. They don't have equipment. They don't have the right coaches. They get. I've seen athletes get injured. And, okay, I'm talking about India, which is not in ASEAN. You don't have the right surgeons. So there's so many problems which I think money can really help. With. But all these things that you talk about, Rohit, can all these things be a byproduct in a build-up to actually hosting a World Cup, you think, Sasi? Yeah, you're right. Spot on. I think that was going to be my next point. The problem that we've had over a long, long period, especially in Southeast Asia, I can only speak from experience because I'm a former pro athlete and participated in multiple events in this region. The reason why sports generally is where it is in the region is because of the way the associations are run. There's no one association across Southeast Asia that's run by professionals. It all starts from the man at the top, whether he's a politician, he's a patron, he's a billionaire. It's the godfather syndrome where the guy comes in, pours money into sport, and then he trickles down, he brings his people in. And when the money dries down, the ones that really are affected are the athletes in the end. Sports is almost defranchised in that sense. So that is the problem. The problem is not with there's not enough money or there's not enough welfare because if you look at the structure, it's all there. The problem is the people who are running it are the people who are not really in the sports business because if you look in the US or UK, even in, in developed countries, I'm not even talking about South America or Africa, where sports is mature, associations, teams, clubs, Every of these infrastructures is actually run by professionals. Sports has moved on from being a hobby 
into a real business. So they have multiple university degrees for sports management, sports marketing, sports business. All you need to do now is go across Southeast Asia, do a real audit on all the associations and find out how many sports business professionals or sports marketing professionals or sports management professionals are within ASEAN, you will have an answer because that data cannot lie. But how would the hosting a World Cup bring about yep. all mm. these things that Rohit feels is lacking in Southeast Asia? You know, like uh, I mean, why would I? I don't disagree with a single thing that you said, Sasi, that, you know, this lack of professionalism and this amateurism. And yes, in some cases, there is money which is very poorly spent or not spent at all. Or in some cases, there's corruption or whatever there may be. But the fact is that I don't see how holding a World Cup, basically, we may be professional for that point of time in football or whatever needs to be done in the World Cup. But I don't see that necessarily impacting sport in general in ASEAN. For me, I would actually, the Olympics, of course, is held in a city rather than in a country. But I, I feel that I don't understand how football is going to impact other athletes in ASEAN. And we may be talented in many other different types of sport. I mean, football, we're still lagging a little bit behind, right? I feel that we might be better, actually, or more world-class in other sports. We could actually take on the world. And I don't understand how the World Cup would benefit us. You know, you're right. I think it's not a one action that will solve all problems. I agree. Because yep, yep. It, it just doesn't work that way. What might happen, though, by hosting the World Cup and football by far, I don't really care what people say. It is the number one sport in the world at the moment as it stands. Nobody denies that. Yeah. And at the least thing we is, can all agree yeah, on something. Yeah, <laughs> we can agree on something. So I think the catalyst, the catalyst for change could be football and hosting the World Cup could be a catalyst for change. I'm not saying it's going to change 100%, but at least now we give ourselves a chance to say because we hosted the World Cup, we need to change things around. Not just in football, then we can look at all the other different sports and say who else. It's not just the FIFA World Cup. What else can we host? Is it the FIBA World Cup? Because we're already hosting FINA Swimming Championships. Can we host, like you said, maybe the majors can come, whether it's tennis or golf? Because not just football, football can be the catalyst for many things, in my opinion. Right. So one of the things you, you spoke about earlier, Rohit, was you don't think that a country that's never qualified for the World Cup or a region that's never qualified for the World Cup should host it? Do you want to I mean, I would say that? that nobody wants to be too rigid on things in sport. Mm. But I do feel that our levels. See, one of the reasons why in golf, for example, I feel I, I always wish that there was a major in women's golf is because there are such brilliant Asian players in golf. I mean, a lot of the great players in women's golf are Asian players. And, you know, I feel if there was one particular, maybe the tournaments in Asia haven't positioned themselves as a major or maybe we don't have enough spectators who are coming in. So, I mean, a major in golf involves many things or whatever. But we have great players in women's golf. And... I would really feel that we need to push our standard to be, I don't think, even if we were not qualifying for World Cup, but we were on the edges or we were close, then I would say, yeah, okay. But at the moment, I don't know. I think somebody be, would be getting a free ride into a World Cup. And me, my one of my things in sport always has been that I don't like free rides. Yeah, but you know, expanding the tournament to a 48 team means there are more teams getting a free ride anyway. So if... I'm not a fan of 48 teams, let <laughs> me put it that way. Right. To be honest, I think the 48 team format will then allow the smaller nations to be part of the World Cup. I went to the Russian World Cup for the first week. I was uh, standing there and uh, how I wish during my, my lifetime we'll see Singapore playing and I'll be singing the national anthem along with our national team playing. And you can't compare that to anything, right? So I would say I'm absolutely in with you on that. Sports is about merit. You need to earn it. Uh, no free rights. But there are also some instances where also in many sports they call the wild card. Right, mm. uh, wildcard entries and stuff like that. So there are precedents set before, and maybe just the hosting of the World Cup could be a wildcard for ASEAN because we are behind 
most of the continent when it comes to football. Even Africa's, they have teams that qualify and actually go very far in the competition. So maybe, and FIFA, AFC included, can see this as being a wildcard to ASEAN where, let's not forget, we've got about 640 million people right. in the last count. It's a lot of people. And if one of the teams that actually qualify, I think the support will be not just for maybe say Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, it will be for ASEAN. Uh, of course, you take away Indonesia and, and Malaysia, they don't really like each other. So, <laughs> See, for me, I feel big sporting events, uh, one of the key things, and, and I think big sporting events lack this nowadays, is legacy. You know, why does a country host the Olympics? I mean, what do you want to leave behind? Most of the time, we just leave stadiums uh, which nobody uses and have huge electricity bills and, you know, just these what we call white elephants or whatever. So what I would like to see, and, and I cannot do this straight off the top of my head because I don't even have the expertise for it. But in all this talk, what I would like to see is somebody do a analysis paper, really in-depth analysis paper. What would be the legacy of it? What is going to happen if we host a World Cup? Is it going to increase the love for football, which already exists here? Is it going to make us better? Is it going to do what? I mean, how is it going to help us? Let's just even forget about other sports and spending on other sports. Just look at purely football. How is this going to make us better in football? The country's hosting it. Is it going to make us better? Or is, is the cup going to be held? People are going to come here. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a great cup because we are a hospitable part of the world. And then everybody goes away and everything goes back to normal. Then what's the point? We're all having fun talking about this. It's in the newspaper or, you know, all of us here, whatever. But I would like to see an in-depth analysis on legacy. What is going to be left behind after we've spent billions of dollars, right. even if it's just football? Some very good points brought up by both gentlemen. Um, just to put you one last question to you guys. Do you think ASEAN really stands a chance of hosting the 2034 World Cup or does it you said 15 years is a long time I disagree in sport you know 15 years I think goes by fast yeah is the 2034 World Cup too soon for ASEAN no because it's a never good time to get married never good time to start a business never good time to die so you cannot find the perfect moment to do anything when you are decided on something jump and actually do it right Rohit it's difficult for me to give you a yes or no answer. He said something earlier which I really like because that appeals to the romantic part of me and I am a romantic, is that sport belongs to everybody, all geographies, including us. So from that point of view, I feel one day I would like to see one here. But I feel at the moment it's... it's Too soon. Mm, probably a little too soon. All right. And on that note, that's the final whistle bringing to a close a game of two halves. Thanks, Sasi. Thanks, Rohit. Thank you. Thanks, mate. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times and The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.